This is Comet Picks by the Glick. Hey, and I'm your host, Jason Glick. Hey, Jason Glick. So, how are you doing, and uh, how was that trip to Comic-Con? <laughs> oh, it was great. It's like, I'm still kind of, still kind of wiped out because I did the whole, whole four-day, well, like, I've been there since Wednesday for preview night, and yeah. it was, like, it was a blast. It was a lot more manageable than last year, because apparently, like, all um, not having not having a, all those twihards there did make a difference in terms of crowds crowd sizing control. Twihards, I like it. <laughs> yeah, of course I stayed the hell away from Hall H this year because mm-hmm. you know like, no, after last year it's like nothing is nothing that was worth lining up over two hours in advance. So I just went to a lot of different panels. Got to see um Montohagio, the great great um sh- legendary shoujo manga artist. Got to see Jason Thompson, Arthur of Manga, the Complete Guide. Um King of RPGs and all around great speaking presence in like three three different panels. Mm-hmm. Um, got to see Sean, Sean Phillips in person, mm-hmm. and um, it's uh, and also got just got to see a lot of a lot of great stuff. Um, there's like it was a lot of fun. Bought a lot of stuff, and trust me, you'll all be hearing about this. It's like as I, I do as I do my write ups on everything. As um, it trickles down, like, huh? It will yeah, trickle yeah, down to our audience. Trickles, <laughs> yes, it will. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, first, like to kick things off, I'm starting starting off with um something that stuff that I wanted to write up before I left, but didn't have the time, because mm-hmm. and I and Pepperdine is rel- is also relevant because I actually did pick up one of these volumes at Comic Con, but first up on the on our on our business business day is Black Lagoon Volume Nine by Ray Hiroe. Mm-hmm. Okay, now this is the thickest um volume of Black Lagoon yet. I mean, you look at it and it's freaking huge, almost almost 275 pages, and this is basically the uh, wrap-up to, um, to, to uh, let's see, the Baile de, de la Muerte, which is, um, as I've been told, Spanish for the Dance of the Dead. Mm-hmm. And um, this is the um, basis for the new, the new OVA series, Roberta's Blood Trail. Now, those of you who haven't heard, um, this involves um, the return of Roberta, the, uh, the um, killer maid from the, from the first season of Black, Black Lagoon, um, her, her, ma- see, her master. Um, uh, what, what was that kid's name? Damn it. Um, Garcia. Mm-hmm. Um, his dad was killed in a in a terrorist attack in Venezuela, and um, she's she's tracked down the killers, a group of U.S. U.S. special op special ops soldiers, to to Roanapur, and she's about she's about to bring the hammer down. Problem is, not only has um, Garcia come into town with um. With another maid, um, Fabiola, who was almost but not quite as badass as Roberta, um, but the uh, but all the major heads of the town, including um, including Mr. Chan and um, and um, Baralaika of um, Hotel Moscow, basically see um, Roberta's quest as a very very bad thing. Because if she does kill these um, special forces people on in Roanapur, that's going to attract a lot of a lot of unwanted U.S. attention, which mm-hmm. could potentially shut the town town down for good. Right. Caught in the middle of this, naturally, is our, our heroes um, from from the Goon Company. You got, you got um, Rock naturally agrees to help out Garcia and to get um, try and find a way to get Roberta back. It's like um, back in his employ, employ. But um, as as we see, it's like Roberta. I mean, she's been suppressing these killing instincts for way too long, and um, hmm. chance to um, unleash ch- chance to um, finally like, um, go ho- go hog wild. Um, in the in the town, um, almost uh, almost was too tempting for her for her to refuse. Mm. So, thing is, it's a for the most part, it's a really entertaining series. 
really interesting on run of the series. Pro, it's also the first time I've read, read a black arc of Black Lagoon that hasn't been um, in the anime before. Oh. And um, I have to admit, Volume Eight was Volume Seven was a great setup. It show it showed um, Hiroe um, slowly moving everything in, into place. It's not very action heavy, but shows you there's a great of outlining what's at stake, what everyone's doing in order to um, to kind of um, revert to his actions and just basically um, revert to see the mind because she is. Um, She's also um, halfway to crazy as well, because mm-hmm. she's also like now she's chopping down Ritalin by the bottleful. She's being, being having visions of people who who she's killed in the past. Um, come back to haunt her, and um, that plays in actually um, comes into play later on in the story when she actually does meet up with Garcia, and um, it's and for the most part it's generally really entertaining, especially when the shit hits the fan volume eight, and um, Roberta bring um um like um starts attacking the starts attacking the US, U.S. soldiers. Now, he, now it shows that um, Hiroe has great chops for action, but also I, I love the moral ambiguity he brings to all this stuff. Because the, the soldiers, I mean, they're not, um, it's like they're not just, um, they're not like, you're, um, not like star-chewing um, e- evil, evil badasses. I mean, they're just guys who are, hey, we're here to do a job, and um, unfortunately this one bit of collateral damage that, that from our previous jobs is now coming back, coming back to get us. But yeah. still, hey, we've got a job to do. When we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and do and and do what we've what, we're co- what we've come here to do. And the problem is, yeah, well, Roberta does have like some moral justification on her side. The fact that she is clearly enjoying this make really does um, make really does make um, makes it hard for you to actually like, fully sympathize with, with what she's doing. And as always, like like you get some nice moral commentary from from, Rev, from Revy, who basically gives once giving um, Fabiola a uh, like. Like a, a quick rundown of how ethics work here, and problem is, Fabiola, like as good as impression she makes in the beginning, she just grates on my nerves because she is her self righteousness about how, but how um, much of a moral sewer um, this town is. Just, I mean, it's like, like wake up and smell the coffee, lady. You're in, like this is the yeah we know this is a horrible town, and yeah we know that it's that it's not for everyone, but still, um, like there's stuff, stuff that needs to be done here. And so, but the most interesting thing about this arc is what it does with um, Rock's character. How it shows that even that even though he's like he's trying to maintain like a balance between like a guy who's not fully part of the city and still someone who's been living there for quite some time, um, he's eventually becoming become part of part of the game that's that's in the town because he basically has this challenge with Mr. Chan to try and find a way. To, uh, a bet to see how see how this is going to is it going to end up in tears or is he going to be able to um, bring Rebecca back into the circle? Oh. And it's this it's this bit with um and it's it's bit with Rock that eventually it morphs into him doing the right thing for the wrong reasons, which I think is a great um direction for them to take his character because mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see him like you know just maintain his. Things like his goody two shoes attitude, but for um, entirely selfish reasons. Still, the biggest problem with this arc is that you know, as impressive as as the carnage goes, it just starts to feel like a slog towards the end. Because after we got two full volumes of, of nothing but carnage in Ronapur, and then eventually in like in the wild, in the wilds of Thailand, um, and it's just like you just want to like, dude, it's like yeah, no, this is this is your epic to end all epics. But, Man, get get on get on with it already. So, so I mean that. So like, yeah, there's, there's that problem, but but still, overall, it's a great, it's a fun, it's still a very entertaining arc, 
and I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes with the next with the next um, volume because um, it's the series does not end here. In fact, we also get some nice cues for where he's going to go with the next volume because one of the uh, American soldier um, points out to Benny, the uh, Jewish computer hacker who's part of their crew, that um, Dutch um, isn't a Vietnam veteran, and that apparently there's, there's some reason behind, behind his lie right there. Mm. So definitely looking forward to seeing where where they go with that. And um, still, still well worth buying for the for those um, who, are, who are reading the series. And I also have to admit that even though it does go on for too long, it does it still makes me interested on um, seeing how the Army creators are going to adapt it because they've done such a great job with the series so far, and basically just trimming the fat and rearranging the uh, the elements of previous arcs. So I'm confident that as good as this was, as this was, the anime stands a chance to be better. Mm. Speaking of which, uh, John, you did see the first episode of the uh, OVA series at Hot Anime Expo. Yes, I did. Uh, yeah. Any thoughts on that? Um, it's uh, it's entertaining. Remember, they can only. Uh, since it it is really uh, uh you know an at one episode they kind of have to cram a lot into one um but i did get the the general flavor of what you're talking about there you know um mm-hmm. you know uh, down to the what it was i think it was the cia right um that wanted to uh yeah, just um yeah, exactly. they bring in the church of violence um edda cuz she's mm-hmm. well, it was revealed like in the in the greenback gene arc that she was cia and she's like, she's there, basically their eyes and ears, and we're on a floor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I guess that that adds a little bit more, um, you know, uh, it, you know, they have to compress the story a little bit, you know, just the start of it at least. So I don't know um, if that, you know, I don't know how drawn out it is in the manga, or and or if they're going to pull it out more, uh, you know, in in subsequent episodes. Uh, but it, it, you know, it had a pretty good pace to it. So. Okay. Cool. Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing myself once it um, arrives, um, arrives over here or um, conveniently falls off the back of the Internet. Yes. So, <laughs> anyway, yeah, moving on, let's mm-hmm. see. We have another um, Black series. This one's called Blackest Night, um, DC's big, big crossover from, from last year and earlier this year. Basically, for those of you who don't know, well, actually, I talked about this in my, my um, Cosmic Crossover po- podcast last year. Um, at the end of um, the Sinestro Corpus War in, the Green, in Green Lantern, um, we found out that there are mo- multiple rings that um, control multiple um, mul- multiple colors of the emotional spectrum. And um, well, they've all Jeff, writer Jeff Johns has been solely introducing the other um, rings over the course of the last couple of years. Um, we've we have yet to have yet to see any the uh, the black rings, the the death, um, which you know isn't part, really part of is death isn't really an emotion. But you know, it's like it's it's one of those things you just gotta swallow, swallow and get on with it. Um, and if you can't accept that, you're not gonna. If you look at this and say, like, well, you know, like, um, will, um, like hope, um, compassion, they, um, these aren't really like emotions. You know, they're kind of like states of mind more than anything else. I mean, if you're and if you're gonna be nitpick about that, then you are not going to enjoy this series at all. But still, those of you who can get in. Can um who can buy into it, um, it's it's still a pretty it's still a pretty entertaining um bit of cosmic crossover because basically the uh, the premise is um all these dead superheroes are coming back to life um through the through, through these Black Lantern rings and so basically you're dealing with you have like Green Lantern and all the other um excuse me major DC superheroes dealing with um inter, like intergalactic space zombies which yeah, which is a lot which is a lot of fun 
and um, and really, it's like it, it generally works because um, because Jeff Johns does a good job of setting up, setting up the nature of the threat and basically establishing that this this is a very big deal, as as we get to see lots, of, uh, uh, the sheer amount of like I said, the sheer amount of dead DC heroes out there, uh, they're waiting to be reanimated and used as used as zombies in this war are huge, and so when you got all these people come uniting to form one giant army. I mean, it's just bad news for everyone. And like, and Jones does a good job of selling of selling the threat for the most for, for the most part. Even though, like, it's it's still kind of like the uh, comic book equivalent of a of a dinner um comprised of nothing but but Snickers bars. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like there's there's no, there's like unlike Black Lagoon, there's really no moral ambiguity here at all. I mean, it's like you got the good guys, you got the bad guys. It's like absolute. Absolute good versus absolute evil for the fate of the universe. Um, and uh, my my inner twelve year old um I think that's really awesome. Um, thirty year old me thinks that okay yeah there's a um test um like you know invoke that willing suspension of disbelief in order to full, fully get into things. But um so like there's some nice nice bits of nice bits of plotting like when um like there are certain heroes. Heroes that uh, manage to escape the uh, Black Lantern's wrath for ver- various reasons, and it's eventually. And I like the I like the fact that eventually, the, like he's actually setting them up to be deputized as um as um additional Green Lant as additional Green Lanterns, and that's that was a nice that's a nice bit of plotting because I mean, it's yeah it's basically pure fanboy wish fulfillment for this part, but still like having um characters like Scarecrow be a deputy of um the Sinestro Corps like. Being uh, as he, uh, the, the avatars of fear, having um, Lex Luthor um, teaming up with the Orange Lanterns, like uh, um, who are um, who are the uh, avatars of who um, represent um, greed or avarice. Mm. I mean, that's that's a nice thing right there. And it's also fun to see um, ha- that um, Johns ha- basically has uh, Luthor basically admit that no, I really want I want everything. I I really want to be Superman. <laughs> so so I mean it's. It's like it's a lot. It's a lot of fun, and like assuming you can, you can buy in, into all this, I mean, it's it's like it's it's still it's still pretty entertaining, and it and even though it's, it's like I said, it's thirty bucks, it's still like a um large chunk of lar- big large collection. So you're still getting a lot for your money, and also um Ivan Rice's art. I mean, dude, I mean like the guy's been drawing Green Lantern for years, and he just draws the hell out of all this stuff for, right here. I mean, he's got a great handle for um, making all the care. For um, representing all the characters, um, showing showing the action and just make making sure all the storytelling is clear and you're not having any problems with understanding like what what's going on here. Again, great great stuff on there, and I also like the fact that they got a uh, commentary, got director's commentary from from the creators involved. Um, hmm. Even though it's like like it's I wa- I'd like more of this stuff. Even though um, what I've glanced at so far, it still seems kind of like a like everyone's really patting themselves on the back for. For a job well done, but it's still, still like I like hearing more about hearing the creators talk about their work as opposed to getting just getting a bunch of uh, um just getting a bunch of sketches from from the artist artisan back. No, how, no matter how pretty they are. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That being said, um, I did like I, said, I did like Lex Knight. In fact, I liked it enough to pick up its companion volume, um, the Green Lantern um collection, mm. which gives you. Which basically, because um, while Blackest Night is basically, it's essentially, it's essentially a, a Green Lantern story that goes into the main universe, into the main that engulfs the main DC universe. Um, the Green Lantern series is basically kind of like the uh, 
was also like front and center throughout this crossover because basically it filled in a lot of the gaps in the main crossover. Because um, I mean, like a lot of well, this, well Black Knight, make no mistake, Black Knight is a complete story. There are some things that you're wondering that they'll leave you wondering, wondering how they how they achieve what, what was going on like at the same time, like wondering about wondering about the origin of the villainous Black Hand, one of the black like the chief avatar of of the Black Lanterns, what his origin story was, and it's very creepy, um, bordering on disgusting, and um, also just how how um Hal Jordan and the Flash escaped um the Black Lantern Martian Manhunter, um what John Stewart was um how John Stewart was facing off against the uh, um resurrected um Black Lantern planet um um Shanxi, and also um just um how um Hal Jordan rounded up the uh, Rainbow Rodeo, all the other um all the other lanterns of diff- different colors in order to um um combat combat the uh, combat the threat of the Black Lanterns. That's all in this volume. It's not essential to uh, like to the story, but still a lot of the stuff is still um, it's decently told. Even though it's like it's just good feeling that a lot of the stuff is just expository. Mm. It's like there's not a um, real clear there's not a clear through line throughout these issues. It's like they're just they're just here to fill in fill in the blanks um, rather than just tell a solid story. Still, there are lots lots of good lots of good um, stuff in here, especially the um, the fiftieth issue. Managed to do pull double duty as being like an integral part of the crossover, and a good anniversary issue um, for Green Lantern because basically um, how how Jordan has to has to um, fuse again with the evil entity Parallax that, that corrupted him way back in the day in order to um, get the um, um, get the um, drive out the Black Lantern's influence from the Spectre, um, basically the uh, living instrument of God's wrath, and that's and like just having um how like bringing that that bit of that bit of business back to confront. For how Jordan to confront does make make for a good make for a good way to um, bring the series full circle you know, at this point anyway. Oh. Um, and also the series um, these issues are really well um, illustrated by by Doug Monkey who um he's a series reg, new regular penciler and he's got a great talent for um drawing real mon- monstrous cre- creepy um creepy vil- villains and and other other entities and he's like throwing hit like having him um, show all these um giants battles against space, all, all the Green Lanterns in space, Black Lanterns, and everyone else. So, like, he's, I mean, it's like, here's a guy who, um, who's meant, who can keep pace with, um, with um, Grant Morrison and whatever his crazy demands are, and he shows that, hey, you know, it's like, turn me loose on a regular superhero title that requires, like, this amount of work, and he can, he can do wonders. It's truly, it's truly impressive to see him, see him work in these pages. So, overall, I mean, it's, like, even though, like, Black Black Knight um, did leave me wanting to know more about the crossover and how the role of, like the Green Lantern series played in it. Um, I can say that this is not an essential volume. It's probably more of interest to people who are still who are like um, fan, fans of the regular Green Lantern series and are just going to be collecting all the issues. But if you just want to get Black Knight by itself, perfectly willing to do so. Still, it does require you to buy find a concept of um, like an in, of um, all all these rain, rain, rainbow rings representing things that aren't quite aren't quite emotions um, fight against intergalactic space zombies. Still, that appeal, that sounds like, hey, if you think that sounds cool, then you're going to have a good time with this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any thoughts on that, John? Um, not any, really. Um, it's just kind of interesting how they've decided to expand the Green Lantern universe. I'm just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, they're not going to work many of this into the movie, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, give... Yeah, give them enough time. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. And on that note, it's going to end call it a night, and I'm probably just going to go go pass out somewhere, or maybe just like start reading through the rest of the Knights of the Old Public um, volumes that I picked up at the con. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, go through your stash that you went through at got got at Comic Con. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's yeah, there's that, and also all the stuff that's still coming out, still coming out that I wasn't and what that I wasn't able to pick up at at Con. I'm gonna be I'm getting through Amazon. So yeah, the the fun never stops here at Comic Con. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll see you next time. Okay. Later. Bye.